Good evening, everybody, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Sagman, and with me, as always, is the wonderful, the illustrious, the amazing... Noelle Schmidt! Well, you are uh, listening to a show called High Spirits, in which Noelle and I uh, drink alcohol and talk about ghosts, paranormal activity, the supernatural, uh, and things in that realm. Um, Mm -hmm. Noelle! Yeah! Uh, anything you want to check in about? Nope. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, no, I'm trying to think about anything that we've recently covered. Um, thanks for sticking with the three-part Amityville series, I yeah, guess. Yeah, thanks, guys. Woofed. <laughs> I'm so glad we're done with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, how about you? Um, not much. Just, no. uh, living my best life. Summer You're here in Chicago. killing it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, we've had a great summer so far. Yeah. We uh, did a very hot street festival the other day. Yeah? Was that yesterday? Nope. A couple days ago. Okay. I don't, what day are we at? Where, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, hard to say. I recently went paddle boarding. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Which was amazing. Uh, funny story. Jay told me she was paddle boarding, but I'm pretty sure she said paddle boating. <laughs> yeah, and I was right. like, cool, that'll be fun. And then I was like, wait, boarding? That sounds dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. You killed it. Yeah. Good for you. So excited about that. Uh, you and I saw Metallica. Then we saw Metallica a while ago, but yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Jay's face melted off. Yeah, I was like, wow! The- <laughs> Everything happened. All the things happened, yeah. I can remember anything. <laughs> it was a pretty killer show. You know what? I just blew my vocal cords. You're in charge. Okay. <laughs> that song has been running through my uh, my brain since we saw them, though, like a month that ago. That was awesome, the way they did it. It was very, With the very cool. walking across. Uh-huh. Dude. Yeah. I have a really good picture of that. If you're my real friend, you'll see it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, got a, they got a really terrible review from the Tribune, actually. No, why? Yeah, apparently um, they've sold out. Well, and it's not the raw, like, garage Metallica that they once were. Where it's can like, I tell you this? Yeah. They have not been that since maybe 1986. Agreed. I mean, the, the Tribune could not be, like, more out of touch on every little single thing. Agreed. I was... Uh, we're we're right. way past kill them all. This is an open statement to the <laughs> Chicago Tribune. Get your shit together. You're really going to Soldier Field to see Metallica and you're wondering, <sighs> like, or you're thinking to yourself, hey, they sold out? I was like, these are, like, 50-something-year-old men. Um, we should just be happy that they're not playing smooth jazz at this point. Yeah, sure. Like, they rocked their socks off. I wasn't even wearing socks, but if I would have been, they, they would have been rocked off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, I was wearing socks though. And they were we you left without them. Yeah, I left without them. No socks. No. Nope. Socks officially rocked off. They are gone. Speaking um, of rock and roll. Yeah. I don't know if that is that the right No, one? let's talk about what we're drinking. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Dang! That was such a good segue. It really was. Wait, should we go should we try again? No, let's right. hey, I'll do it in just a second. Okay. We'll, we'll somehow figure it out. Hey guys, uh this show um, is called High Spirits, and we are sponsored by Booze Companies, um, who give us free alcohol uh, and ask us to promote them on our show. <laughs> None of that is true, but we hope to someday have that be an actual accurate statement. You know what? Oprah gave me the secret, and I'm not keeping it to myself. It's not a secret. I, I, I see it on the bookshelf in the ghost studio. There it is, the secret, with that dripping wax coming down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there it is. I tore out all the pages and, and it, I just wrote, be sponsored by booze companies. So what's happening? Hashtag life goals. Mm-hmm. Hashtag the secret. Hashtag Gail. <laughs> Wait, is Gail the secret? Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> Let it stand. What are you drinking? <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes. Uh, I'm drinking Lazy Bones Cabernet Franc. Cool, look, there's butt on there. There's a... Lazy Bones. There's a butt on the label. <laughs> there it is. He's scratching a cat. I actually bought it because oh, there's a cat on I it. I thought that was a lady. Nope, that's a cat and a lady yeah, scratching that's what I'm the saying. cat. Yeah, you can pick it up at your local Trader Joe's. Hey, thank you, Trader Joe's. Thank also you. for sponsoring the show. We couldn't Ooh, do it without that's you. That's a high alcohol content. Oh, careful. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking. Um, uh, Two Brothers, uh, which is right here in Warrenville, Illinois. Uh-huh. Um, it is a uh, coconut ale. Oh. Yeah, called Pahoho. <laughs> <laughs> Pahoo-ha. 
Pahoho. Pahoho. Can I try it? Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it. You can take it from my glass. I'm actually okay. drinking from an Iron Maiden glass. Rock. Hey, Chicago Tribune, they probably sold out, too. <laughs> Bruce Dickinson doesn't sell out to nobody. Nobody. He flies his own plane. That's right. Yeah. They keep their socks. Weird, right? Oh. Huh. Hard to tell if we like or we don't. Um... You're I, on the no. No, I kind of, I like coconut a lot. I do too. It's just surprising in a beer. It's strange. But we'll I don't, keep tasting it, y'all. Don't worry. But I don't mind it. We're going to get toe. Speaking of rock and roll. Oh my God, there <laughs> it is. Speaking of rock and roll. Today, Jay, I'd like to talk to you about the king of rock and roll. Uh, Michael Jackson? Incorrect. Trent Reznor? No. Um, uh, We're talking oh, about- rock? How dare you? Can, please leave. Slap it out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> out! Uh, no, Jay, today I'd like to talk to you about one Mr. Elvis Presley. Ooh, Elvis. Mm-hmm. Elvis, keep your pelvis far away from me. Uh, now, if you don't know who Elvis Presley is, please turn this podcast yeah, off out. right now. Um, I'll give you a brief history of him, <laughs> but for shame. Yeah, what? Come on now. Uh, now, there are there are a couple different incarnations of uh, Elvis, and uh, Jay and I have some opinions. Sure, on I have my favorite. Who's your favorite? Uh, Fat Sweaty Elvis. Fat Sweaty Elvis is by far the superior Elvis. Oh, he has yours too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God, I want to bone him so hard. When he's, oh, like, he's breathless <laughs> and singing Polk Salad Annie, I'm like, yes, hunty. <laughs> oh, and so- then he sings Amazing Grace, and I'm like, surf, bitch. I mean... I think I know he's not a drag queen, but you know, I. <laughs> but I am. I feel like he'd be into it. Yeah. Um. So as far as attraction level, no, Fat Sweaty Elvis, I'm not into. Well, I'd ask him to shower. Right. Uh, <laughs> young, just married to Lisa Marie Presley. No, Priscilla Presley. What did you say? I said Lisa Marie. Oh, Whoops. Gross. Uh, that's definitely like bone worthy. But I would say like as far as musically, uh. Fat sweaty Ugh. Elvis all the way. Suspicious minds. Suspicious minds every day of the week. Yeah. Um, so freaking good. Yeah. Uh little less conversation. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Such a good song. All so right. I guess what we're saying is Elvis is talented and a hot piece of snatch. Correct. It must hurt to live in the matriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that we're reducing Elvis to a sex symbol. Ugh. Ugh. He'd hate this. He would. Anyway. Elvis, uh, Aaron Presley, was born in Tupelo, Mississippi on January 8th, 1935. Um, His uh, family um, lived on government aid. They were a very uh, poor family, lower lower class, uh, living in um, uh, often like kind of bouncing from home to home, living on government money, government assistance, whatever they could get. Times were tough. Um, They lived in um, African-American communities Mm -hmm. um, because that was where the lower underprivileged lived. And so that's kind of what he grew up with. And that's what he knew. Um, That's why he was able to steal with such ability. Well, we'll get there. So when he was uh, 13, they relocated to uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and, uh, he was in high school. He was kind of a loner. Um, he was an odd kid. Like he kept to himself. He seems um, like a total weirdo. He totally does. Yeah. Um, which I like. Yeah. He, he kept to himself. Um, but he, he, he his father had given him a guitar. Um, I think he, when he was eight years old and he actually didn't want the guitar, but he decided to learn to play it. And the thing. Who doesn't want a guitar? Well, he wanted something else. What did he want? <laughs> um, I don't remember. I don't okay. even know if it's said. <laughs> um, but the the thing was with Elvis, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know this. He couldn't read a note. So he, uh, mm-hmm. everything was committed to memory. And his memory of music was so impressive. Like, he would learn a song within, like, the first time hearing it. Oh. It was really impressive. On the so, guitar? Uh, no, singing-wise. I think on the guitar, ticking a little bit longer. Okay. All right. But um, he uh, started um, with a couple of friends. They started like a singing trio and uh, started playing around. And uh, one day when he was 18 years old, he went into Sun Records and he had scraped up enough money 
to get a couple minutes to record a song. He claims that he was going to record the album for um, his mother as like a birthday present or a Mother's Day gift or something like mama's that. Mama's boy. Total mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Very close with his mother. Um, he recorded the song and um, Sam Phillips yes. of Sun, Sun Records asked the uh, receptionist what his name was and wrote down his name and tracked him down. Um, and at the age of fi- 18, he began his career um, in 1954 with Sun Records. What was his first track on Sun? Do we know? Um, I should have written that down. Do you know offhand? I don't. I'm trying to think. Did you ever see that play over the Apollo Theater? The um, I didn't. Uh, oh, the... Um, million Dollar Quartet? Million, no. I, yeah, it is that. Are you sure you didn't see it? I feel like I saw it with you. <laughs> I, I definitely did not see it. Are you sure? I definitely did not see okay. it, but... Um, oh, you know what? I think... Yeah, I actually... I know who I saw with. I really thought I saw it with you for a sec, though. No, I was involved with that show for my job for a very long time, so I had kind of had some feelings about it. By the way, in case you want to know what Million Dollar Quartet is about, the reason I'm bringing it up is it is about Sun Records and Sam Phillips, and it's about the one time Johnny Cash... Uh, Elvis Presley and, and um, three names piano guy Jerry Lee Lewis Jerry Lee Lewis all recorded together but it's or not like a true studio it, it's, but it's not a true story I don't think it's a true story yeah. well then it's, it's, it's worse kind than of, I thought it was yeah <laughs> it's a it's a wishful thing I mean I'm sure the Chicago sometime or Chicago Tribune thinks it's amazing mm-hmm. it's two thumbs down from this guy so uh, that's probably true. So um, I don't. Yeah, it doesn't say here what the name of the song. What a was. hip and relevant story. So so with it, we're off to a great start tonight. So anyway, uh, it doesn't say what the first song was that he recorded with Sun Records, but he, um, I, I think it might have been lo- the song "Love Me Tender." Oh, that's a, um, that's no, a hit. that's not the, that's not it. But his song "Love Me Tender" when it was heard on the radio, people thought that he was actually African American. Now, he got away with "quote unquote" stealing some of. Should we just call it cultural appropriation? Yeah, we can call it that. Okay. Um, I mean, because it was it was, and he got away with it because he was an attractive white guy. But he also got away with it because he was actually very inclusive. And because probably because of his upbringing and because of where he grew up, like the race was not a thing for him. And so I in Tupelo, Mississippi. But he because he I grew know. up. I, yep. Yeah, I know you're you're playing the other side right now. I'm trolling you. You are totally trolling me. But because like I think because he was so open and had like a you know a black back and backup band and all these things, people kind of like. A lot of the African American community let it slide a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was more sort of like Eminem, like Dr. Dre with Eminem. Totally, he was like, "I get it, I get it, white guy." Um, Eminem not as attractive as the Presley. Well, we haven't seen him fat and sweaty yet. That's true. Good. You know what? <laughs> His time will come. Anyway, moving on. So, in 1956, he was picked up by RCA Records, when he stayed with them for the next two decades of his career. That's a long time. That's a very long time. Uh, his first single with them was Heartbreak Hotel. It was released in January of 1956 and quickly became a number one hit and quickly shot him to superstardom. He then debuted the film in the same year, Love Me Tender, which is when the song Love Me Tender also hit the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought rock and roll to the mainstream. Um, Frank Sinatra, one of my faves, not a fan. Was not a fan of this? Was not a fan at first. He actually, he wasn't a fan of rock and roll. He of course he wasn't. He was very outspoken about it. Um, <laughs> said that it was dangerous. Um, really? Frank Sinatra yeah. having sex parties outside of his hotel mm-hmm. in Lake Tahoe. That's right. Thought rock and roll was dangerous. You are correct. Okay. That is right. One could say the same for crooning, if we're to believe that, um, anyway. You were not wrong. Uh Ironically, um, ironically, Frank Sinatra was a terrible person. He was not a great guy. That's for another episode. Uh, I know you love him. I do. I love. I do love him, but I understand that he is flawed, like oh. many of our music icons, <laughs> including Elvis Presley. Like most people, I know. Um, I think it was in 1970, and I I didn't write it down here, but uh, in 1970 or something like that, 
um, Elvis actually appeared on Frank Sinatra's variety show. <laughs> Frank Sinatra had a variety There's, show? It was something like that. It was kind of like one of those. You remember, like, they all had, like, kind of like one of those, like, here's Frank Sinatra's Christmas oh, thing. Yeah. Like, he, mm-hmm. Elvis appeared on that, and they had, like, kind of gotten over it. And even when Frank apparently made the statement, Elvis was like, well, I just think, you know, it's unfortunate that he said that. Like, his, for being, a, like, an 18 or 20-year-old kid, his response was very, like, polite and diplomatic and was kind of like, it's unfortunate that he thinks this way, and I, you know, I'm a big fan, but this is the future, so get over yourself, yeah, old man. Elvis had some nice manners. He really did. He wasn't did. doing sort of weird underage sex things. He was a very well-mannered boy. Well, let's get to that. Um, <laughs> did I really segue appropriately? A little bit. So, Where? uh... It, the thing with Elvis was part of the reason that he was so dangerous was because he gyrated like nobody had ever gyrated before. Uh (laughs) Um, He was, it was often critiqued as being over-sexualized and uh, it caused censors to be on hand during uh, such performances um, on the Ed Sullivan show. So he appeared on the Ed Sullivan show, I think twice. And the first time they were like, Oh no, Oh no. And so the second time they actually had censors, on hand. Did like, they film him from the waist up? Because they didn't want to see him, like... Yes. Gyrating? Yes. Uh, but, like, it was not anything you'd ever seen, like, in concerts or, like, in the mainstream, at least. Right. Um, these are things... You certainly would see it behind uh, Frank Sinatra's hotel in Lake Tahoe. Absolutely. <laughs> Before what? rock and roll, it was a crooner's game. Right, right. Him and Dean Martin. Uh-huh. Totally twisting their hips. Those guys were yeah. stiff as the yeah, yeah. squares. Um, but uh, but you wouldn't see, like, such movements like this, uh, you know, unless you were going to, like, you know, these nightclubs. Harlem. Harlem, Detroit, places like that. Um, so for... Chicago. Yeah. So for Elvis to bring this to the mainstream, it was shocking, but also very, like... We want Racy some. and, like, yeah, the women were going nuts over this guy. Um but in 1958, he was drafted into the military, and uh, he ended up getting stationed in Germany, where he met 14-year-old Priscilla Bulu. Bulu. Bulu? Is mm-hmm. that how you pronounce it? I didn't know that. Um, he convinced her parents she was 14. Yeah, she did not have... Um, well, keep going. Well, her dad... So her dad was also stationed in Germany, and he was a high-ranking officer, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> They together convinced her parents that it was okay for Priscilla to move back to uh, Memphis with Elvis, who was 10 years older than her. Uh-huh. So he was 24 at the time. No. Is that right? Yep. Yes. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, I you just looked at me like, I know. <laughs> I know he was 10 years older than her, but somehow the math isn't adding up That's in my right. head. Uh, I'll never be able to do math. I'm not going to try now. Not with my pahe, my poho. Right. So they moved back to uh, Memphis together. Again, she was she was fourteen. His um, manager, Colonel Tom Parker, ah, the Colonel, the good old Colonel, um, was very against this relationship and was really worried that um, he was going to be looked like looked upon like Jerry Lee Lewis was, who married his thirteen year old cousin, uh-huh. and it was going to ruin his career like it did Jerry Lee Lewis. It did not. Well, because people didn't know about it. People didn't know about it. Because he was still running around with, like, Angie Dickinson. Uh Uh-huh. So he was keeping her at home skis. She was staying at home. She was in school doing her homework. Um, They kept their relationship very private until um, she was old enough to kind of, like, come out a little bit more. And then seven years after they, seven and a half years after they met, uh, they got married. Um, His career had really taken off at this point um but he had a couple of flops in the mid 60s and he was really down and around 1968 when his daughter lisa marie was born that's when he like was really in a slump and he was miserable and kind of like going through a depression because the music he was turning out he didn't really like he didn't like what the studio was giving him to work with Mm. um it just it wasn't him he didn't feel good so right after uh lisa marie was born he had kind of a comeback he did a comeback series um it's there's that famous uh photo of him in the black leather jumpsuit i don't know if you remember that is does he have long sideburns there he does yeah i remember it it's pretty hot 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's when he came, he had this big, like, great comeback. Um, he was back on his game. Uh, 1973, he and Priscilla split amicably. They both had had their series of affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually was very, very jealous of the man that Priscilla admitted to having an affair with and actually had, um, you know, like a drug induced stupor was like coming up with ways to like um hire a contract killer and like take this guy out and one of the guys that was with him actually like kind of fed into it for a little bit until elvis was like well we're good like never mind moving on like he kind of got it out of his system just by talking about it but this was like a common thing with him he didn't like to um like Priscilla tells these stories about how he always kind of carried a revolver around. He had a revolver at home, and if he was upset with something or if he didn't like what he was seeing on the TV, he'd shoot it he'd out. He'd shoot the TV. Jeez. Can you imagine how many TVs they went through? Um, no, because that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. All of it's crazy to me. You do you have her book? Elvis and Me. Yeah. Um, Somewhere. I think I lent it to somebody, but I, of course, read it. Yeah. I read it when I was really young. It's, I was telling this recently to Megan mm-hmm. that I read it. Friend of the show, Megan. Friend of the show, Megan. Uh, that I read it one, um, like, a couple weeks over a summer mm-hmm. at my, uh, at the swimming pool that I used to go to when I grew up. And I didn't, I was maybe 13 years old and did not necessarily understand all of it. But I felt like I was only a year younger than Priscilla. Okay. And I was like. Oh my God, she is boning. Uh huh. Elvis Presley. Yeah. I really didn't. I. It was a simultaneously titillating and confusing. It's it, it's really remarkable, actually, for a woman who was moved in with this man at such a young age. How um, she's turned out just fine. Like aside from all of the crazy plastic surgery, but like she, well, she was great as Jenna Wade on Dallas. <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, if I may be her number one fan here please. for a moment, I really enjoyed her work. No, on she's that nighttime soap. She's a brilliant woman. She's really smart, really smart businesswoman. Like Is what she? she's done with Graceland, which I'm going to get to. Oh, was that her? Yeah. Oh, I didn't that's know that. All her. Well, good for her. Um, yeah, ingenious. Like really, really smart. And like for being such a young woman at the time too, and identifying like that we need to do something about this place. pretty amazing Um, but what's incredible about her is that like Elvis I mean in the book and like she's very open like today we would consider him to be abusive in the way where he was verbally abusive he picked her clothes out for her she had to look a certain way Um, he didn't like her talking to certain people she had to behave a certain way and she was like but that's the way things were and that's how we were and I was actually okay with this and she sincerely says these things where today that's just not a thing I mean even then like that's not okay with me no it's awful I mean she can she can defend it all she wants and that's Stockholm Syndrome I mean it's totally it's just awful it is I mean she taught she describes in the book uh, he was uh, he was having a lot of sex with other people. Absolutely, and he convinced her that that was okay too. I think, but between the age by the time if you're 14 and you don't marry the person you're with until you're 21, you pretty much I don't know. There's something messed up about your psychology. Absolutely, and she definitely like you know she kind of explains like when they did split up, it was because she started to recognize like I'm an adult now and this is not okay. <laughs> no. Um, that he I've been doing this. sort of simultaneously treated her like a child, but then I don't. I don't want to say sex slave because that's too right. That's too big of a leap. Mm-hmm. But it's like his like little China doll that he kept at home. She totally was, and like a lot of people say that um, he was never the same after they split. Like I think he he probably did really love her. Sure. Um, but I think he was also really immature as well. Like he. He was an 18-year-old yeah. who uh, lived this poor life all of his life, and then all of a sudden, he was an overnight success awesome and had story. all of this money, and he was never, like, never understood how to, like, be an adult. Dare and we say he was the Justin Bieber of his time? <gasps> I would say yes. <laughs> so, here's what your future holds, Biebs. Um, on August 16th, 1977, uh, we're about to uh, 
have the 40th anniversary of oh, this, actually. Yeah. Um, Elvis died at the age of 42. Poor Elvi. Um, when I think of the age of 42 now, that's not very old anymore. Uh, no. <laughs> and that's crazy to me. Um, well, Judy Garland died at 47. I know. Oh, and they both, like, let's just say people aged differently back then. They certainly did. Mm-hmm. Like, he looked... He looked like he was probably, like, pushing 60. Yeah, he was about to go. But he also... She looked like she was pushing pushing 92. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But she, but he also... And she was an alcoholic and all the things. And he and was... he wasn't. He was so... I'm kidding. <laughs> That's what well, was he was like. addicted to prescription drugs more. Loved his prescriptions. He loves the prescriptions. And the thing with this was that he thought that it was okay because they were being prescribed by a doctor. Therefore, it wasn't really drug use. Right, which is what Michael Jackson thought, too. Yeah, exactly. The doctor, by the way, if you're wondering, um, his name is George Nicopolis, a.k.a. Dr. Nick. Um, He was his friend and personal doctor. And actually, oh, shoot. Um, I think it was Vanity Fair released this big expose probably a year ago about how Elvis probably died. Oh. Um. Now, we were always, you know, the theory is that he died on the toilet of a heart attack. Um, what they what they believe actually happened was um, he had been gorging himself. He had a really, um, he had an appetite for really bad for you food. Like a lot of like yeah, he's sort comfort of, food. I don't think people call it this because he's Elvis and they don't want to think about it. But let's face it, he basically had bulimia. He gorged himself. And he was eating fried chicken and biscuits and all of, like, the southern fried comfort food. And what happened was he was um, on a binge. So he was gorging himself with all of this food, and he was taking all of these barbiturates. Oh, no, please don't say he had, like, some sort of, like, rectal bleeding. Well, he – what they think now happened and what Dr. Nick claims has happened is that his colon ballooned. Oh, okay. So he had a blockage. Oh, yeah. And it led to a heart attack. Okay. (laughs) That's horrifying. But, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um. Like, physiologically, that makes a whole lot more sense. I'm like, wow. It's a lot. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, sorry for the gory details. But um, at the age of 42, on August 16th, 1977, that's what happened. August 16th is, uh, one, my parents' anniversary, and two, Madonna's birthday. Uh, that's somebody else's birthday that I know, too. I want to say it's Susie's birthday. Oh, good uh, God. You're <laughs> obsessed. <laughs> I was like, do I say it? I'm yeah, going to say it. Yeah, the show. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's her, it, that's actually I don't think that's it, but hers is like in that like fifteenth through seventeenth. Um, <laughs> I only I know that for a very specific reason, and I'll leave it there. But um, nothing <laughs> because no, you stole her identity. Because I yeah I actually am Susie. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me take a drink of here of the lazy bones. Yeah. Um. <sighs> okay. So Elvis. Yeah. Um. So, Elvis was married at Graceland. Graceland was the home that he built in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. It, Do you have notes to describe it? Because it is a tacky, tacky... I, I really don't. Okay. I, um, it's, what I'll tell you is it's on 13.6 acres of land. Sure. Um, I've never been. I actually really have never been either. People are very surprised by that. I really want to go. I mean, Megan and I were talking the other day about, like, we're planning yeah. a trip to go. Um I really want to. Mm-hmm. But I, it had all, I mean, I've seen tons of pictures of it, like the jungle room and mm-hmm. all this sort of like very, Elvis was a very tacky person. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If yeah. I had a house that big, I would probably have themed tacky rooms as well. Because <laughs> why, why the hell not? Like, I'm going to be honest. I would have a library that looks like an Ethan Allen showroom. <laughs> <laughs> I would have like one nice room. Okay. And then everything and then else. Would be like, this is the neon room. <laughs> this is my play. Like, it's your big playroom. Like, you have this big mansion and okay. all these rooms to fill. Have fun. But yeah, it's a lot of like animal print and. Um, yeah, tacky. I mean, I like animal like, print. So. <laughs> just sort of like shag carpeting. And, do you I, like shag carpeting? I do. I have a big shag rug in my living room. All right. It's black. It's nice. Yeah, it doesn't, it's, but it's... Ugh. It's not, like, the gross, no, like, 70s shag. No, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just even, like, when you look at, like, the um, <laughs> the crypts or the, the, the burial, the, the gravestones where he and his parents are buried, like, even that's a little, like, tacky. Sure. Um, well, it's not his fault. I mean, like, I think that's the, I think that's part of the American dream. It's, it's, like, you grow up really, really poor, and, like, the first thing you want is to own a limousine. And you think to yourself, like, who owns a limousine? And, like... Right. 
<laughs> but he had like three pink Cadillacs. Yeah. He collected all these cars. It's like your idea of what's rich and fancy right. is crazy. It's like you have to have everything gold plated. Yeah. I mean, you can be you can be also a wealthy person your entire life and still have tacky things like gold plated everything. Who would that be? I don't know. What's his name? Um, like gold curtains in your your oval room. Oh. Um, <laughs> where you work sometimes. Yeah. When, when it's not a weekend. When you get emails or a Friday, and then you tweet them. Um, <laughs> just saying. Anyway. Yeah, I wish we knew a rich person who was tacky, but we'll never figure. We'll it never out. know. Anyway. Back to Elvis. Speaking um, of rock and roll. So Elvis was, uh, Graceland was his favorite place to be. Um, he loved being there. Um, he And people believe that he never left because he loved it so much. So do you think he's a ghost to there? I am pretty sure he is. Yeah, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, it does not take much to go onto the internet and Google ghost Elvis. Haunted Elvis, Haunted Graceland. Make sure when you Google Haunted Graceland, you put Haunted Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee. Otherwise, it will bring up Graceland Cemetery in here, oh, right yeah, here in Chicago. Right in Chicago. Actually, go there too, though. Yeah, please Get go your there. Graceland on. Yeah, uh, but you say Elvis is Graceland, Graceland, and you say our cemetery, Graceland, Graceland. Yes. So, uh, Graceland. Don't you? I, I know. Going to Graceland, Graceland. Yeah. Which right. is a song by Paul Simon uh-huh. about Graceland. About um, cheating on Edie Brickell? I'm kidding. I don't. I don't know. Sure. You I was don't like, know? it is. No. Um, is it about, about Elvis? I was like, I thought it was about Elvis. No, it is about Elvis. <laughs> I just. I don't know why every every guy we're bringing up. I'm like, I. You're I, a cheat. You're a cheat. I hate this. The only thing I know more about um, uh, ghosts is um, about people's private sex lives. <laughs> <laughs> That's our uh, other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you everything I know about Josephine Baker. Love and other people's private sex lives. <laughs> um, so actually, it should be ghosts and other people's private sex lives. Yeah. yeah. Oh, me, we might. That's like the After Dark show. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So uh, here are some spots. Oh, so what I was going to say was you can. Um, there are tons of videos of people like thinking that they saw somebody or like, and there are a couple that are like, Oh, that that could be a thing. Like there are a lot of photos of like a face or, you know, does Priscilla think that he's there? She totally does. (gasps) And we'll get there. Does Scientology Lisa Marie think he's there? Uh, no comment on Lisa Marie. Oh, other than she was his daughter. Do you know? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like we know everything about Scientology and I don't want to get off the record here or off topic. Um, do they believe in ghosts? I don't know. Okay. That's a really... Why don't we know that? I don't know why we don't know that. We should know that. That's weird of us. That is weird of us. I feel like they probably wouldn't because it would go against... Right, because like, it's an intergalactic thing. sort yeah. of like religious schema. Hey, everybody. Um, you can email us at highspiritschicago uh, <laughs> at gmail.com and let us know if Scientologists have a sort of a ghost theology. Yeah. I mean, number one, if you're a Scientologist, get out. Number two. Yeah, really. Ask Leah Remini for help. She'll help you. She will help you in a minute. She will yeah. grab you with those claws. <laughs> I was going to say something about her nails. And she will pull, oh she will yank you out of there. But please get yourself some help because yeah. you are in a cult. Yeah. You're in a cult. Yeah. Stop it. Um, also, Ooh. do you believe in ghosts? Yes. <laughs> okay. Also, where's Shelly? Where's Shelly? She's in the hole. Um, <laughs> okay, so Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Okay, so the number one most haunted spot at Graceland, uh, the most po- most popular spot to see him would be in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it would be. As previously mentioned, Elvis liked to eat. He's southern boy. He was a southern boy, and that boy liked to eat. Hence the fat, swe- sweaty Elvis. Yeah, um, he was destined to be chubby. He his, was loving that southern food. A favorite sandwich was the uh, popular peanut butter and banana sandwich mm-hmm. with bacon and pickles. Oh my! He used six slices of white bread to make that sandwich. What? That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy pants. When you're a young man, that's okay. When right. You're older man. Once you hit thirty, you're done eating Don't that. Don't eat that. Stop it. Uh, um, can I tell you a quick yeah. story? When I was learning to play the guitar. Uh, so the way that I remember top string to bottom string, uh-huh. string is Elvis ate donuts. Goodbye, Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's really good. So uh, sometimes in my mind when someone's like, what string is that? I do the quick acronym in my head. I love that. <laughs> um, my, my brother, uh, this was a long time ago, um, did, he was part of a barista competition Ooh. right here in Chicago. Um, and they did like their, they did their sets to, or their drink making to music and like yeah. did this whole routine and Jared did his uh, his drink was the Elvis and he made a peanut butter latte uh, with um, bacon bits like he did a banana um, whipped cream on the top and then he p- sprinkled some bacon bits and put a pickle on the side and he was he lives in Milwaukee so he did of course a Milwaukee brand pickle I can't th- I think it's just Milwaukee's pickles um and he, he of course, like, did his routine to an Elvis song. And he, like, totally stood out. It was, like, really peppy and fun. And everybody else's was, like, this, like, kind of earthy indie music. And, like, I'm going to make you this, like, you know, just yeah. bullshit drink. And the judges were, like, so put off by him because it was, like, fun and entertaining. Oh, no, really? Yeah, it was, like, not... That's too bad. I would have loved it. I know. It was awesome. I was really excited. Chicago Tribune thought that he sold out. They totally thought he, thought he sold out. And, Too corporate. My but. God, bacon bits on a coffee drink. Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> I'm so awful. You mentioned one thing one time and I could not stop it. Well, they were stupid about that. Metallica was great. Um, how dare you? Yeah. Anyways, Kirk Hammond, Kirk Hammond forever. I love him. <laughs> you just said Kirk Cameron. I almost said Kirk uh, Cameron. Nope. No, ma'am. No, sir. <laughs> All right, so the kitchen. Kirk Hammond somehow got hotter. I he, what? He's so hot. What happened? He is my first. Uh, I would say he's probably my first musician crush in life. Oh. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, him and uh, him and Donnie from New Kids on the Block. Gross. No, Danny. I like the one that nobody liked. The ugly one. Yeah. <laughs> the one who was with Tiffany. No, that was yeah, that was, that was John Knight was with Tiffany. I think they both were. Probably. I don't know. But Jonathan Danny Knight. Knight is not... Danny was like the odd Danny one. Danny Wood. Oh, Danny Wood, yeah. Yeah, he had that weird face that looked like a stop sign. Yeah, he kind of <laughs> looks like a Menendez brother. <laughs> he looks like a Menendez brother for sure. <laughs> oh my god. That's amazing. Yeah. Holy shit. We have to get back on top Him and Kirk Hammond. <laughs> That's weird. That just shows you how broad my range is. Listen, um... uh... <laughs> Mine was Amadeus and uh, John Tyler from Duran Duran. That's pretty good. Yeah. Wait, the guy who played Amadeus in the movie Obviously. Amadeus? <laughs> but I thought that was a documentary. You should see that guy now. Oof. Is he ugly? He's not aged well. Oh. Um, Neither have I. Nope. <laughs> I meant that for myself. Not you. I really don't care. You look great. <laughs> Thanks, baby. Uh, all right. Some that one that I just said, thanks, baby. You're welcome. All weird right. Thing <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> Beer and wine. No, we're talking about Elvis. Elvis. He haunts the kitchen. Littlest conversation. He haunts the kitchen. Uh, some people also claim to see a young Elvis wandering the grounds in his soldier uniform. I believe he ended up being a sergeant, like a first sergeant in the army. Does oh. that sound right? I don't know. Sure. I do know. I actually have an ashtray of him um, shaking um, Nixon's hand. <laughs> that is an excellent picture. It is an amazing picture. Because he's wearing a cape. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> the best part about that picture is that he's wearing a suit and a cape. I don't know why um, I have a black and white ashtray of that moment. <laughs> it's so good. I was just claiming earlier that I wasn't tacky. Oh, I would totally put that on display. Um... <laughs> You can also see him standing near his grave. Oh, that's sad. That is sad. Also, a little self-indulgent Elvis. Yeah, get over it. You're dead. You're dead. Um, guests have claimed to hear him singing. I'd like that. Um, you Which can, one? Which song? It, all of them. Okay. Uh, probably his later work because <laughs> he'd remember it. More. He really believes in that canon. Um, you. There are a lot of pictures actually of uh, him peering through curtains at the windows. What? Yeah, like he's looking through the curtains. From the outside in? From the inside out. Oh, okay. He was paranoid. I get that. Yeah. Because he was basically on speed. Yeah. I thought you meant that he was like looking in his home. No. Like, That's a creeper. Yeah. Idea. So people claim to see him that. So yeah, yeah. You're talking like resonant energy now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Um, here's a fun one. In the recording <laughs> studio. Um, <laughs> this I love. 
in the recording studio at, at Graceland, um, actress Paz de la Huerta <laughs> <laughs> uh. claims to have had an orgasm through <gasps> ectoplasm touching. So she touched some ectoplasm uh, while yes, she was visiting ma'am. there. So pause. Pause. Oh, pause. Pause. Yeah. So she's a spectrophiliac. Yes. Um. You can see Elvis in other places, though. You don't have to go to Graceland. Mm. Let me tell you. Where else could we be? Uh, you could go to the Las Vegas Hilton. <gasps> yes. Which was the site of his last performance Is in it 1976. Still there or did it, they implode it. Uh, no, I think it's still there. Okay. Um, he, I believe that's where he had his, um, uh, what is it called? Not residence. Yeah. Residence? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did like 276 shows or some oh, craziness oh, like oh. that. Um, so. How many handkerchiefs did that man go through? Oh, so many. Like, how many sweaty, sweaty <sighs> jumpsuits? Gold in a trap. <laughs> I can't go back. So good. <laughs> can't finish. Because, because I, I love you too much, much baby. baby. You can see him in the penthouse suite where he stayed. Oh. Um, also in the basement where he would often hang out with musicians before and after the show. Okay. Now that you contextualize that, that's fine. When you just said basement, I was like, nah, okay. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing down there, Elvis? What are you doing down there? Well, I mean, towards the end of this, his life, he was so drugged up and, like, out of his mind that uh, he would often, like, wander. wander. Like, there's a story of him, his car pulling over, and him, like, stumbling out and puking all over oh. the street. It's very sad. And then he was kind of like... Where am I? And they just kind of like pushed him back in the car. Poor Elvis too. He had so many enablers. Um, yeah. But remember, like other stories of him, like um, just like singing and then not knowing the words and then just doing the Elvis like little like yeah, just, like just humming over it. But he kept the tune. Oh, he was. I mean, he he was always in tune. He's a beautiful singer. I mean, yeah. But it would just. Words. There's so many times, like so many videos that you can watch on YouTube of that. Right. He just could never remember the words. Well, a lot of these guys now, like, in fairness to him, um, who have been playing for all of these years, have monitors on stage now. Oh, yeah. So that with the, with their song lyrics, because Dolly Parton does. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you when you especially like somebody like Dolly when you have a library that's so large. Yeah, how are you gonna remember all that? You can't remember all that shit. I mean, I, I mean, do. I remember <laughs> all of the words to all of the bands that I like, but you know, you know what? That's okay. They've done a lot more drugs than me. So I mean, maybe combined. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Uh, you can also see him in the freight elevator, where he would often hide from mobs of fans. Why would I be in a freight elevator? Because there would that would be like his escape. No, but I meant why would I be there? Oh, because you want to see Ghost Elvis. Okay. Because <laughs> I was just because you're like you would see him there. I'm like I don't. Uh, you probably staff. Yeah. I would say staff. Um, Wayne Newton. You know him? Nope. You shouldn't. You I'm kidding. I know exactly who he is. Uh, he claims. I know his hair piece better than I know. Oh, Wayne. Got some good hair. Still going strong. He claims that he saw Elvis once looking down on him while he performed. Like. At um, the Hilton Las Vegas. Watching him perform or being condescending? <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little, a little of bit both. of both. Also, I have like this awesome image of Wayne Newton on stage performing and a uh, ghost Elvis with his cape just kind of like floating above. <laughs> Always be floating. <laughs> now, I have a quick question for you. Just because I'm a dick, I kind of don't know what Wayne Newton sings. I think he sings only covers. He sings Donka Shane. Donka Shane. Oh my God, yes. Maybe. Everything That's, else is, is uh, just like a cover guy? I, yeah, I think so. Like a Barry Manilow? He might have like. Barry Manilow has an expansive library of things music. things he wrote? Yes. Are you like serious? What? I'm totally Mandy, serious. Mandy. I know that one. Copacabana. He wrote that? Yeah. Oh. Um, and more. <laughs> I was going to say two is pretty expansive. My, my, two is more than you and me combined. <laughs> my, my mom uh, is a is a fan of Lowe. And, oh, Jesus uh, Christ. I love it. I grew up with a lot of Barry Manilow in my life. Like She's she has, a fan of she has so many um, of his albums um, on vinyl. So I know that there are more songs, but I couldn't name any okay. more than those two. Um, well, I just know a lot of dudes from that time, um, right? Just did like covers, right? And like a lot of those dudes, um, like Elvis's contemporaries, not rock and roll guys, but mm-hmm. like let's you know, like a Wayne Newton or a Barry Manilow. Uh, would sing like hits from musicals. Yeah. 
Like Barbra Streisand would. Yeah, like they'd They wouldn't be, be in yeah. them. They would just sing them as their song. Yeah, yeah. They'd get like a song. Or like a one Mario Lanza. Anybody? Anybody? Mario Lanza? That's fine. It's big. I wish there was like a... Big deal in the... Yeah, I wish there was crickets. a cricket noise. <laughs> I'm glad that you knew where I was going with that. <laughs> chirp, Mario Lanza is a big deal in the Stagman household. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Uh, <laughs> He's an opera singer. Whatever. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um... Anyway, uh, Wait, hold on. It was Amadeus, Mario Lanza, John Tyler, or John Taylor from John Durandale. Taylor. So good. My precious. That's amazing. Um, uh, tourists in Las Vegas claim to see Elvis driving down the strip in a ghostly red Cadillac. Most likely, those are just Elvis impersonators. Because if you've ever been to Las Vegas, you will see a lot of Elvis impersonators. Mm-hmm. Now, and just guys who kind of casually look like Elvis. True. I There's mean, a lot of sideburns in Las Vegas. The rockabilly look is back, and it's been back for a while. Uh-huh. So, true. Did it ever go away? No, and I love it. That's right. You are a big fan of the rockabilly. I do like it mm-hmm. so much, yes. Uh, moving on. Um, you can also find Elvis in Hollywood at the old Knickerbocker Hotel yes. where he regularly stayed. Um he also did uh, promotional pictures for Heartbreak Hotel there, which you might remember as being his first film in 1956. Yeah, I saw it live in the theater. You did. <laughs> You've aged so well. I mean. <laughs> uh, people who stay in room 1016, where he often stayed, um, will say that the room is unseasonably chilly. Oh. It's surprising. Uh, you think he provided a little bit of humidity. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much heat coming off that yeah, body. Yeah, I feel like his ghost smells like, like a YMCA locker room. <laughs> you so know how like, all the other ghosts smell like lavender? Oh, just a lot of old man sweat. <laughs> yeah, smells like sweat. <laughs> oh, gross. Um, but that's not the only place that you <gasps> no, can see Elvis. more? There's more. In you Nashville. You can see the cover of the Inquirer. <laughs> We're getting there. Oh. Uh, um, in Nashville... Uh, at the RCA recording studio, which is now, um, it's been, the studio is no longer there, um, but the rooms are still used for TV production. And stagehands say that when you mention Elvis's name in a positive way, um, it will summon an active spirit. Lights blow out, ladders fall down, and mysterious noises and bangs occur. Oh. Um, people also see him wandering around the streets in Nashville, which again are probably impersonators. Yeah. And it's also, again, Nashville, so we might have a lot of guys like that. <laughs> Inadvertently look like Elvis. Look. So, but, you know, maybe it is him. I hope so. Um, I'm going to read this really quick story from um, an article in the Houston Press. Um, this is not the name of the article. This is just like a snippet of it, but I, I named it Ghost of Elvis Rescues Boy. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> so good. So, uh um, it comes from a book called Elvis Afterlife, Unusual Psychic Experiences Surrounding the Death of a Superstar by Dr. Raymond A. Moody Jr. Um, and Dr. Moody relates the story of a Georgia police officer named Harold Welch. Welch was the father of four sons, but his boy Tony ran away from home with $2,000 to try and make it in Los Angeles as an actor. <laughs> he left behind his room full of Elvis posters and records. Welch worried about his son until one night, Elvis, dressed as a police officer, uh, Presley famously collected police badges. A pe- <laughs> that's that's a true thing. I know, and it's so weird. It's very weird. Like, he really, like, there's there's a... There's he asked that, Richard Nixon to get, like, an FBI badge. He wanted to, yeah, he wanted really wanted to work undercover. So like weird. Yeah. And there's that movie that came out where it actually fabricates the story of Elvis working as, like, an undercover like FBI detective or something mm. like that um, working for the government. That is not a true story. Uh, in this dream, uh, he told him that he was concerned over Tony as well. He, cla- he claimed that Tony was running with a bad crowd and on drugs, but that he couldn't personally reach the boy, um, reach through to the boy. The Dream King <laughs> pointed out where Tony was staying in L.A. and gave a description of the place involving a nearby drugstore across the street from a diner. So Welch and his family rented a car to try and find Tony, finally locating him in a rundown house near the exact scene Elvis had described. 
The family was tearfully reunited, but Welch never revealed the source to his family because he was afraid he'd be laughed at. Later, though, Tony told his father, <laughs> rightfully so, Mr. Welch. I'm sorry. Smart move, man. Uh, later, I ain't laughing at you. I'm laughing at you. <laughs> Uh, later, though, uh, Tony told his father he'd been dreaming of Elvis and that Presley said his father was coming to get him. Oh, there's beauty in that. Yeah, so it's kind of a sweet story. Very sweet. Everybody, everything worked out. Thank you, Elvis. Uh-huh. Like sweet tea. It's a little too sugary, but boy, mm-hmm. is it sweet. Let's talk about Graceland a little bit. Um, okay. Uh, Graceland. 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 All I know is I'm going to Graceland, but that could be because Paul Simon just sings like a fuck. It could be. Yeah, that's true. You can call me Al. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I think of him, I think of Kermit the Frog. It's okay. (laughs) Is it weird to say Garfunkel was the talent in the duo? Ooh, that is... So controversial. Very controversial. (laughs) Interesting. I know. Garfunkel. Uh, Okay, Graceland opened to the public on June 7th, 1982. After, Priscilla thought that opening to the public could help with the estate's financial problems. Smart old biddy. So once, um, after Vernon, Elvis's father passed away two years later after he died. Like, so Elvis died in 1977. Vernon died in 1979. Um, the estate, like, started to crumble. Right. And so they were in, like, some dire straits. So um, everybody wanted to sell the, the mansion. And she was like, well, hold on now. Let's open it up. Let's to, open uh, it up. This is like a, you know, like he has a lot of fans. Like we could really make something out of it. Um, she, so she went and visited a bunch of different tourist attractions uh-huh. to inspire her, such as Hearst Castle. She went to Will Rogers. Home. I was hoping you would say Winchester mystery. She did not go okay. there. She went to Disney World. Like she went to all of these places to get inspiration. Good for her. Um, they had no idea if this was going to be a thing or not, but they were like, let's try it. They got, um, uh, a loan, an investment of uh, $500,000 to do this. They kept the house exactly as it was. Like, she did not change anything. She kept things as he had it, like, you know, left it basically, you know, think everything is artifacts. Um, on the first day, they sold 3,024 tickets. Yeah. Um, they made their, they made the $500,000 back within six months of being open. That's awesome. Good it's for her. Amazing. She was able to take care of her kiddo. So smart. I, like, I have so much respect for her after reading this. And also, like, what business is able to, like, make their money back within the first year? Like, that's just unheard of. Yeah. But she she, she was on to something. She, she knew what she was doing. So, um, and also at that time, she was probably only, like, 30 years old. Um, so, damn. damn. Damn, Priscilla. Uh, <laughs> between the house merchandising and licensing the Elvis brand brings in 32 million dollars a year with no, is that all Priscilla's and Lisa Marie's um no I mean I think that they have some inv- she is a partner um Sodor I think his name is so the- Sodor that's his last name or oh. something like that <laughs> like, are you so- taking me to Middle Earth yeah right. <laughs> I didn't. I I didn't write his name down okay, either. But fine. she has a partner, so I think that it's probably split up with Word. him too. Um, but the man who had run the house with Vernon um, had passed away, and when she um, decided to do this, this was his partner. So he was like, "I'll I'll I'll do it with you." Um, they averaged five hundred thousand tourists. Um, to the house and the exhibit across the street a year. Um, excuse me. Uh, Priscilla attributes the success of the house to Elvis's spirit and um, people's curiosity in his ghost. Um, she states that whenever she comes in the house, she feels his spirit and she just expects him to start walking down the stairs. Like, yeah, picking out an outfit for her. Yeah. Telling her what to do. She very, like, you I'm know. kidding. <laughs> no, but I know what you're saying. But, yeah. like, she, she's, when she speaks of him, it's very fondly yeah. and, like, there's, that's very sweet. And, I mean, I don't know. She's clearly gotten over, like, all of the stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's very warm and affectionate. Um, the other thing with opening up Graceland, uh, it's revived the Memphis economy. Like, it really has helped that community. 
because so many people come in from all over the world. They stay there. They stay in the hotels. They eat in the restaurants. It's been really, really great. A um, couple of other quick ghostly things. Um, his mother is often seen on the grounds as well. Mama. And again, Elvis is super tight with his mama. He yeah. loved his mama so much. And she died when he was pretty young. Like, mm. he was, I think, in his early 20s. Mama. Um, and she's buried on the grounds as well, right next to him. Um, and uh, there's often poltergeist activity. <gasps> no. Yeah. Footsteps, toilets flushing, doors opening and closing, stuff like that. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's got to be a living source for that. There has to be. But who could it be? Who is it? Well, there is a groundskeeper. Ah, a 13-year-old girl who's a groundskeeper? Well. I'm kidding. (laughs) Just using the narrative of the poltergeist. uh, He's not actually a groundskeeper. He was there for a Harley Davidson event. And that's going to lead us to our next thing. Is Elvis really dead? Oh, is he? I don't know. If he were alive, he would be 82 years old today. So he'd be close to being dead. He would be close to being dead. Now, when I was growing up, my grandmother, uh, big Elvis fan, big. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up in a pretty Elvis-loving family. Like, my uncle had a party once with an Elvis impersonator. Uh, Tom Green is the name of the man. And actually, he passed away a few years ago. Tom Green is an Elvis impersonator in Wisconsin. And uh, my uncle knew him pretty well. And he would, like, come to our family parties and do things or sing songs yeah hopefully sing songs he would sing songs (laughs) but uh do things leave things yeah so like elvis is a big deal in the schmidt world yeah um so amadeus was a big deal (laughs) (laughs) we lived such different lives um so my grandma also subscribed to the national national Enquirer when i was growing up and i think uh u.s what was it or weekly world news what was the one with bat boy uh something like that yeah she got all the tabloids so there was always stuff on the covers of like Elvis sightings and spottings. And so this has become, if you're not familiar with this, I'm going to fill you in. So there's a, a large conspiracy theory that Elvis faked his death um, because he grew tired of fame and he just wanted to live a quiet life. And here are some of the reasons why people think that this happened. Uh, the day before his body was uncovered um meaning like uh before they the day before the funeral basically a black helicopter landed at graceland um and it's thought that it picked him up and took him to bermuda where he could lay low (laughs) okay now this one actually i think is kind of a legitimate reason to you know raise an eyebrow his father ordered an autopsy um and there are results for the autopsy but he ordered that they not be um unsealed until 50 years after his death so a lot of people do that is that a thing yeah that's a thing okay well so the we won't receive the autopsy results until 2027 yeah i don't yeah it's interesting to me because i used to think that was a big deal too Uh uh-huh um like in doing all this research i'm like oh all these people yeah are requesting that these Autopsies not be revealed. And then when you, like, add it up, you're like, oh, all these people are requesting. What's the reason behind that? Privacy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I got to know. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, uh, uh, you know, it's just a part of it. Like, well, and if. And probably, you know, even though it ended up coming out that he was a big drug addict, people didn't know that. Yeah, that's true. And his dad obviously knew that. And I think kind of like with celebrities who die now and they're struggling or there's like drugs involved they feel weird about their fans knowing that yeah especially if they're squeaky clean if they're not squeaky clean people are like okay this person had a drug problem they died but if they're squeaky squeaky clean right people are like oh right touche yeah good point um another reason why people think he faked his death uh his middle name is misspelled or spelled differently on his gravestone now what is it now well hold on so his middle name is Aaron, yeah. which is how it is. Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, is how it's spelled in his gravestone. Now, A-R-O-N is, I thought the way it was spelled. Well, at birth and on his birth certificate, it actually is A-A-R-O-N, but his parents changed it. And I don't think they did it legally to A-R-O-N, um, which uh, people believe uh, they did to honor his identical brother, uh, Jesse Guerin, 
who was stillborn. So what? He, he had a twin. He had a twin stillborn brother who <gasps> was born thirty five minutes before him. That is the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. To be a twin with a stillborn, that means he was in that uterus with a like dead dude forever. Dead baby. He's yeah. actually lucky he didn't die because that baby could have. He's very lucky, especially because he. Well, maybe the baby died in childbirth then, because if he were if he was in the uterus with a dead baby, he would have gotten like, uh, uh yeah, I, I think poisoned or right. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It know. It would not have been a good scenario. I don't know how it works, but jeez, dude. Yeah. Well, post. You know what? I'm super fascinated. You had me at um, <laughs> twin stillborn. Anyway, uh, we're gonna post some um, stuff on the on the website. Yeah. High Spirits um, Chicago mm-hmm. Podcast Facebook, because that's fascinating. Yeah. Not that the rest wasn't fascinating. But no, but there's some more. Yeah. Uh, he also reportedly cut out some family members from his will. As one does. Um, right before his death. And uh, there are a couple things. Um, some people claim that he goes by the name of John Burroughs. Uh, who's a man who bears his resemblance and supposedly purchased a plane ticket to Buenos Aires the day after his death. Yup, that one I believe. Uh, another alias is Jimmy Ellis. He died in the 90s. Oh. He also bo- bared, bore a striking resemblance. Uh, there's a group in Canada called the Elvis Sighting Society. Uh, their tag or their their description is when a number of Elvis sightings in and around the city of Ottawa became too great <laughs> to ignore. Elvis enthusiasts Earl McRae, Mo Atala, and Irvin Budge, those are the best names, yeah, really. met over breakfast at the Newport restaurant on April 1st, 1989, and established the Elvis Sighting Society, all three inspired by their love for Elvis and a darn good breakfast wanted a place where the fans could gather <laughs> and share their memories of the king and story of stories about Elvis sightings. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, go to their website. It's great. Um, these guys look like totally normal men. <laughs> Actually, you expect them to look a little crazy. Yeah. No, totally normal guys. Normal. Yeah, just three old dudes. Um, there are uh, many books written about like these Elvis sightings. One of them is called Elvis is Alive. Um, TV actor and good friend of Bill Bixby or good friend of uh, Elvis Bill Bixby. Who's that? You might know Bill Bixby as TV's The Hulk. Oh, I do. Bruce Banner. He hosted uh, a couple of TV shows uh, or programs called um, Elvis, The Elvis Files. And uh, the Elvis Conspiracy, which suggests that Elvis went into the Federal Witness Protection Program after he took part in a sting operation and feared fatal backlash from the mafia, or that he faked his own death to rake in post-mortem cash. Um, Bixby died a year after uh, the last one, the Elvis Conspiracy, but um, it, it kind of makes sense because he's making so much more money than he did in life. So you're going the the Tupac and Biggie route on that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, In addition, uh, people have claimed to see him in the movie Home Alone. Um, (laughs) Why? Now, there's a scene when uh, Catherine O'Hara's character (laughs) is standing at a car rental line. Okay. Trying to get a... Try to t- trying to get a car to get back to Chicago, and apparently he's standing in the line. He's a bearded man standing in the line. Uh, they think it's the real. Yeah. Oh my god. And it, Chris way Col- to hide in the most beloved movie of our time. Chris Columbus, who is the director of that movie, was like, "Listen, if Elvis was in this movie, I would know." Um, yeah. There, there also has been. This is the most recent thing in the last year. Um, a man was setting up for a Harley Davidson event at Graceland and um, he apparently bears a resemblance and there was like a way that he walked that people thought was really like resemblant of Elvis's stride and he did this thing with his fingers that they were like that's him that's totally him and he's like this old bearded man he's wearing a hat but like people are like all over this guy so uh, he might not be I mean so maybe he is haunting Graceland, but he's haunting it with his corporeal, alive being. Okay. But probably not. He's definitely dead, and he yeah, died of dead. colon blockage, which is really sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not so, laughing at colon blockage. I'm just laughing at the wavering. 
Right. Uh, I just you did a funny bait and switch there. So, moral of the story is, uh, don't let your doctor friend overprescribe prescription drugs. Uh, have to you, Michael Jackson, and you, Prince, and you. Oh, well, well that's hap- that's what happened to them. I know, but it's too late for them. And also, remember the Jennifer Saginaw book that I lent you, when her doctor was Doctor Feelgood to Hugh Hefner. Oh my God! About the Playboy Mansion. Her dad, you mean? What did I say? Her doctor. Oh yeah, her dad was the doctor that yeah. prescribed Hugh Hefner all those drugs. I was reading that when I was in the hospital, <laughs> having my daughter, and all the nurses were like, "What are you reading?" Yeah. Um, that book. Oof. Uh, get a colonoscopy. Sure. Get your heart checked. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, if someone you know uh, dies tragically, turn your home into a museum. Right. You never know. You never know. The people will come. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. If we've learned anything. <laughs> They're going to come. Uh, is that, especially if they're, what's her name, Paz something? Paz de la Huerta. She certainly came. Ha <laughs> 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 uh, Is that, do, are we going to I uh, Yeah, unless you have some more. I think we're, I think we're at, so that's Elvis. <laughs> um, nice. You can see him in so many different places. You can also see him performing on the strip. Yeah. He also will uh, pr- conduct uh, weddings for you in Las Vegas and I think in Memphis as well. Sure. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this has been High Spirits. You can find us uh, at High Spirit Chicago Podcast on Facebook. You can listen to us on iTunes, High Spirit Chicago Podcast. Um, you can always find us on SoundCloud. That's our homeboy, uh, High Spirit Chicago Podcast. And uh, don't be afraid to email Noel at highspiritchicago at gmail.com. <laughs> she reads all of them. I read every single email. Um, Noel, who are you drinking? I am drinking Lazy Bones. There's a butt on it. There's a butt on it. And I am drinking um, a weird but delicious, pay me, um, two brothers beer called uh, Pahoho. Pahoho. <laughs> Coconut Ale right here from uh, Warrenville, Illinois. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to your favorite podcast in the entire world, High <laughs> Spirits. Uh, this was our Elvis episode, and uh, we've got, well, I don't, but Noelle has one final, awful, disgusting, terrible thing to say to you. Sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs>